0: Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumzer, and today we're going to be talking with one of my favorite people, Cecile alper Leroux. She's the vice president of HCM Innovation at Ultimate Software, and one of the actual senior-level working anthropologists in the HR tech industry. It's, <laughs> it's an astonishing thing. So how are you, Cecile?
1: I'm doing very well, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, would you would you tell people just little? I mean, you you you've had such an amazing life. Would give people some tidbits <laughs> that that sort of explain how an anthropologist ends up driving strategy at uh, the human capital software company. <laughs>
1: It's it's an interesting question, um, and hopefully the story will be will be somewhat interesting. But I, I um, as a as a as a child, I was one of these people who pored over Life magazine. I was actually born in um, into a bicultural family because I was born in France and moved to the United States when I was very very little, and uh, as a result of that. I think I've always been interested in people, cultures, uh, all things related to to differences between people and what makes us uh, similar. So I studied anthropology in, uh, in, in college and um, got a couple of master's degrees, and I then realized that it was going to be very difficult to get a job as an anthropology professor because I didn't really feel like writing my thesis. and. There are not a lot of jobs available for uh, for anthropologists in the, in the scholarly realm uh, or in the academic realm. So I uh, talked to a friend of mine who was head of HR for a small company in Minnesota, that's where I was at the time uh, and I talked her into giving me the opportunity to help with uh, some of the the, the global work that uh, an expansion that they were doing and uh got started in the realm of hr i convinced her i said look I, as an anthropologist i i interview people and i love people so i'm sure that i could be useful somewhere if you give me a chance it was literally one of those put me in coach i promise i won't disappoint you um and so i ended up in the world of hr
0: that's wild, but 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 this is not just i ended up in the world of hr <laughs> so let, let me let let me make the context clear for people who don't understand it. Ultimate software was a payroll company, yes, and ultimate so, ultimate software has gone from being a payroll company to being um in a horse race that looks like they just might catch work day three or four years from now. And that transformation mm-hmm. from payroll operation to um, full spectrum human capital software provider happened partly during the time while you were there. So you had your hand in this <laughs> in this amazing business transformation as an anthropologist who fluked into HR. Now that's that's awesome.
1: It, it is really it is really remarkable, and I, I think that what has Um, it for sure uh, takes a a significant team and an openness. And I I know that one of the first things that I recognized when I first joined Ultimate Software about nine years ago was that uh, it was the first place that I had worked in which the creative latitude was truly granted to people who worked and could provide a, a good reason for that. Uh, so the openness and the ability uh, to bring ideas, regardless of sort of where you, you fell in the organization, is something that uh, that I think has propelled uh, Ultimate to to its its new its new position. And I think you know where where you say it for sure. It's a horse race, but I think that there are a lot of things. Um, once we are in, in, invited to the dance, that, um, that we do quite a, quite a bit better. There's a lot that we are still working working on, but um, from I think one of the most exciting recent developments, especially from a personal perspective, is is the the, the globalization effort, uh, which means both global and and localization efforts uh, from a product perspective, but also culturally, it's a significant change. But again, if your focus is on people and making sure that we understand and want people to thrive in any environment, which is something that any anthropologist is looking, you know, you want to be a participant observer, right? As, as an anthropologist. So you want to be part of the change. um, But also you want to be able to always be watching and understanding, Hey, this is what's happening. We may need to shift the way we do things. We may need to, to, to try to, bridge some, some gaps that we have here. And, and I'm talking about it really from a business perspective, not exclusively a product perspective. Uh, and I think the, that, that openness is really what, it, what happens and what allows uh, this sort of transformation to, to take place. So I'm certainly not going to take, uh, take credit for it, but it's been fantastic to be part of that self-reinforcing uh, uh, culture that's, that's made it possible.
0: Well so so here you are you you've got you've got a focused liberal arts degree but, but it's it's a liberal arts mm-hmm. degree yeah? um yep. And, yep, you, absolutely. and and you are sitting in the universe where we're having so much trouble recruiting competent women to play mm-hmm. um with with this sort of liberal arts degree and for my money that's actually what we need, rather than than a bunch of people trying to be engineers. Is we we need um, oversight and sensible management of of technology. So so what do you what do you tell young women who aspire to be as successful as you are?
1: No, that, that there are so many things that I actually tell. I I speak to a lot of, of, uh, of young women. Uh, and, and one thing I, I would actually say, I, I, I would disagree a little bit with the point we, we don't need so many engineers. I actually think that there are engineers uh, who are the perfect fit. In fact, in in at Ultimate, we have a, a group of engineers that's leading uh, our analyst relations team, and they all started out as engineers. They had a, a, a propensity to see more broadly, and also are interested uh, in 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 people and, and larger systems. So I think it's it's knowing what kinds of engineers you you need to be able to to move to move uh, certain departments ideas forward. Um, but I also I, I would agree with you. There's not, There's always a benefit from having a, a, a broader view that's grounded in in the in the liberal arts. And and one of the things, rather than, strictly speaking, for example, a business degree, um, I think so much you you pick up uh, and you bring more to every role that you have if you have a a broader exposure, which is probably one of the reasons that I I love traveling so much. So a couple of things that I would tell young women uh, who want to rise in the world of technology is to not limit yourself. Um, we have this sort of we've tended to become more and more specialists in this world and you do have to specialize but you can never stop having enough other parts of your life that are nourished with things that are not your specialization or your specialty Um, be it be it travel uh, be it working with with people that have nothing to do with the work that you do um, I do a lot of, of, of speaking specifically about the importance of having a, a personal vision in the, this new world of work that's highly digitized where, where people are sometimes, seem a little bit less, uh, less grounded and less able to, to communicate with other people, human to human, uh, that it's really important to have this sort of beacon of what is it that you want from your life? Uh, and from your work, and have those two things uh, reinforce each other, but be separate also. Um, the other thing I cannot uh, I can't overstate, and I think sometimes people' are like, oh wow, that's a really cool title, VP of HCM Innovation. How do I get to be, you know, innovative? Uh, and I think the most important thing is it takes a lot of hard work and fearlessness uh, to be able to come up with an idea, speak about that idea, uh, promote it, and then be okay with letting it go. That's where the whole idea of fail uh, fail quickly or fail fast comes into play. So I, I think that those are some things that I talk a lot about to young women is don't be afraid to work hard and get involved in a lot of things, but also don't hang on to them such that you can't move on to something else because we are continuously hit with, with walls or we come up against walls. Uh, brick walls glass ceilings you name it and you can't be detracted from that you have to sort of okay that didn't work let's try something else Um, and if you don't have anything else to draw from it becomes really difficult
0: got it that's great that's great so so i'm going to make a hard shift you're an anthropologist okay everything everything that that you read these days talks about the value of culture in organizations. Mm-hmm. And I sit here and I go, well, well but, but, that's great. What the hell is culture? <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, now I can ask an actual expert. Yeah. You know, it's, so there, there,
1: that's a, a great one, but at the same time, John, you and I both know that there are probably as many definitions of culture uh, as there are people in the world. Maybe not quite as many, but close. Uh, so I think that there are a, a couple of different definitions, but overall there are some critical aspects of what culture is, in particular in the context of work. Uh, and and from, from, from my perspective, and this is something, quite frankly, that I've, I've talked to uh, experts such as yourself, about. We've had some conversations over the years about this, but uh, culture really is it's a, it's a, a set of reinforcing frameworks uh, that guide people and that also inform people and help them relate uh, and associate with a whole group or a whole um, so that's a little bit abstract. But some of the things that come to, to mind when we talk about cultures, it's the, the, the traditional de- definition of culture is it's a set of beliefs, um, a shared set of beliefs, which is, which is okay. But what does that mean at work, since we all know that everyone has a slightly different interpretation of what is the mission of this organization? What is my purpose in this organization? But it's, it, it really speaks to how people are the culture themselves. They bring together the, these ideas, these philosophies, uh, practices that they adhere to in the workplace, and those are reinforced by bringing new people into the organization and adapting. Uh, so it's, it's a very dynamic, living, breathing thing, a culture culture. And the reason why everyone's talking about it today in the context of work is I, I believe it's this need to try to define and hang on to something that's more human in the face of so much uh, digital pressure. And, and we know that in order to get people interested in the work that they're doing, they have to have this affinity or this shared idea, uh, this shared... A sense of purpose. And that's really what culture is. So it's hard to put your finger on what culture is. And yet, it's what ties all of us together.
0: So so I'm of the opinion that this is the single most interesting question in artificial intelligence. What's culture? How do you (laughs) model it? how do you model it yep. and how do you understand what happens when you do something to it right and what w- one of the cool yep. things is I-, I don't know how many of the people who are listening to this show actually have hands on experience with ultimate software but ultimate software is a deeply curated culture um that that seems to produce like an extra jolt of energy in the people who mm-hmm. inhabit the culture without it being saccharin, you know, you know, there's a lot of, right. a lot of organizations that have been run through the mill with rewards programs that have people who are all hyped up on. Thank you. And what happens right. in ultimate software is not that it's some other almost electrical force that, that I bet yeah. you have a good theory about how that happens.
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I, I, I want to get back to that question of artificial intelligence and why oh, really? I believe that artificial, artificial intelligence is, is such an important tool. And yet it will never, uh, even though more and more is coming out about, oh, it's getting closer and closer to humans, uh, uh, culture is probably that one ingredient that will differentiate uh, what a neural network is going to be, and a culture of humans is going to be. So, so I definitely want to get back to that. But to, to, to just talk to uh, or, or address the, the the question of what is some of that, that electrical force, that, that, that jolt of energy that comes from a, a carefully curated but but not an inauthentic culture. So at ultimate, one of the things that is really, really obvious in the first few moments, and, and it, it gets people who join the organization uh, who have not, who, for whom it's not their first job. Uh, so people who have been elsewhere, they've been around a lot, we've seen other things. For them to say, I have to pinch myself because I'm I'm not really sure this is this can be real. Um, and so what that is is, it's number one. There is an, an incredibly strong sense of, and I don't want to 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 sort of make light of this term that's somewhat overused, but there's a sense of empowerment. When our CEO and now our, our new co-CEO say you are empowered to do something, just do the right thing, there is no doubt in anyone's mind at Ultimate that doing the right thing for a customer, for another employee, for a person that you, that you see, that, that there's, you will not be questioned for doing the right thing. If you know that what you're doing makes sense and that you're doing something uh, for the better, doesn't mean that it's without fault. Sometimes we have to do the right thing and your choices are not great. Uh, but there, there is no fear of you are going to be fired or called out for doing what you believe is the right thing. So that is incredibly freeing. Um, and what it does is it creates a sense of taking care of each other and that extends to our customers. That really is palpable and, again, not to sound too cheesy, but there is a sense that our customers feel like they're part of our family because they are a part of our family and we treat them as such. And I have a work family, which, again, I'm not the kind of person who would have thought I would say things like that, but I truly love a lot of the people that I work with. Um, and and that, that sense of not being afraid because we're in this together you don't get fired from a family you work through it and if you do leave a family it's because something has really gone wrong um, so we're not afraid to let people go but it's generally because they have done something that is that really is not the right thing
0: uh, that's that's really so I think, interesting. I
1: think it's that that freedom yeah
0: yeah and, and and I'm starting to hear this phenomena that you're describing called psychological safety um,
1: yes yeah absolutely
0: Right, as as a feature of a culture, and I'm not sure that that's a feature of a family. Um, it's 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 really not always a feature of a family. Um, but it you're, can you're, be a feature of a workplace. There's
1: dysfunction in every family. There's dysfunction in every family, and and at work there's dysfunction also. But I think in in some instances you learn to live with that in in a family, and you try to focus. You also have a broader family when you're talking about uh, an organization with over five thousand employees. But right. what's interesting is when you come together. I was recently at one of our services meeting where we have forty percent of our workforce is um, is virtual. And, uh, and for it really felt like a family reunion. People were going crazy, hugging each other. Now you think, oh, do we really need some of these, these, these meetings? Well, when you have most of your services team, the people who are taking care of our customers every day virtual, they come together once, uh, once or twice a year. It literally feels like a, a family reunion. And, um, and they're genuinely elated to be together. And I think that's that's a remarkable thing in this day.
0: So, so that gets us back to the the AI question and yeah. um, the the how do you understand, forecast, account for, mitigate, encourage the impact of AI on culture is kind of the question, right? We don't know exactly yeah. <laughs> what it is. It's a loosey goosey. Feeling that, in the case of ultimate software is something extraordinary in the case of say say we work these days, it may not be the same yep. kind of place um right uh, uh, how do you, how do you tell how do you tell what the impact is gonna be when you introduce um the level of precision that the stuff that we're calling a i brings
1: but I think there there are there are a few things that have to be kept in mind, and that some organizations will do naturally, and other organizations will have to be very very uh, judicious and in, and in, and and intentional about how they introduce AI. Um, when when we introduce artificial intelligence, and we have introduced it in a number of, of areas, um, we we describe it as one of uh, as as a way of simplifying and being able to take on some of the some of the the massive data crunching work but not to the exclusion of of people so in certain places where we know and we found out before introducing this ai this artificial intelligence in, in a number of areas not the least of which is our own Software that we that we use uh, for for feedback on a regular basis, but we we talk to employees first to understand where their greatest challenges are, and we look to introduce artificial intelligence where it will have the most significant impact immediately. So we don't just say, Hey, we're going to introduce AI and it's going to change and improve your life in massive ways without knowing what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, because AI, like any other software, if there isn't a really good business reason for it, in all likelihood, it may save you some money, but in the long run, it will likely, uh, and again, in some, in some places, there are situations where automation is coming in, which I wouldn't say is necessarily artificial intelligence. There is intelligent automation happening, but I think we have to sort of distinguish what that is. But when, it, when we're talking about artificial intelligence, Helping to assess, to triage even some some problems, but making sure that humans are expected to make to have the conversation with uh, with our customers. Um, we don't implement bots broadly to respond to our customers because we know that our customers don't necessarily want that. But we are having uh, having AI. Triage problems and bring information to our to our, our customer service or customer success representatives so that they can be better informed when they have those conversations. So it's it's really about understanding where the impact is important. When it comes to the impact on the overall culture, especially a culture that is all about putting people first, we have to be extremely careful about what it means. This is a way of preventing. Uh, what you do—it's a way of amplifying a message, but it's not a replacement of people, uh, because otherwise that would be an incredibly false, uh, false way of bringing artificial intelligence into an organization. But one of the things that um, that we had touched on before about uh, a more authentic culture—I think there's the there's psychological safety, um, and that means being pretty transparent about where we will be using. Uh, artificial intelligence up front. There's also uh, not just psychological safety, but also uh, psychological latitude, (laughs) Um, latitude to explore and to be able to um, have employees bring ideas, say, look, I've seen in this instance, this has worked really well. Could we try this? So we do a lot of piloting internally and in, in and even in the software that and also in the software that we um, that we bring to market. There, uh, so so I think th- those are those are two different things to consider. Um, but I, I also feel that uh, artificial intelligence for we talk about oh it, it's getting smarter and smarter. It can do everything that a human brain can do. Well, first of all, that's that's not yet the case. Uh, and even when it does, a culture in itself is something that is greater than the individuals that make up the culture. And so if you have a lot of artificial intelligence that is like a person, we still don't have that, that broader sense of what's going to aggregate and make all of this still work for people and the machines together, this new blended workforce that we're talking about where humans and, and, and machines are working somewhat side by side, culture is still greater than those individuals. So I, I, I really um, am more optimistic about AI than, you know, again, used judiciously, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done when, we, when it comes to AI, but um, I don't see it as a, as a replacement for a culture without in any way, shape, or form.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I, you, you know, the the automobile didn't replace a culture, but it certainly transformed cultures, right? And, yes. and that's, the,
1: without a doubt.
0: That, that's the kind of thing I think that we're looking at is, is you couldn't have a culture of just distributed housing without without um, there being automobiles to do it. And we'll see the same sorts of effect with AI, Um Sure. What do you see as some of the risks of of installing AI in the culture?
1: There uh, there are an enormous number of risks, uh, which is which is why we're still in the infancy. And I know you've done a lot of research, John, more than most people in um, in this in the whole arena of, of AI. I think some of the the greatest risks that we face today. Are not being, uh, or, or the, the the backlash that will come from uh, from, dis, from from people actually becoming less uh, less motivated, from people being less engaged, or and I know that's another one of those. So many overused words in our in in, the, in our line of work here, but uh, uh, but but people being less a part of the culture, almost withdrawing, um, because they aren't sure they don't feel safe or they don't feel that, um, that AI is being implemented thoughtfully enough or with enough transparency. That's one aspect. The other thing that I think is really pretty scary is that so much of the AI that we, uh, that we rely on today, um, is still quite siloed, and in in terms of the the, the, the source of information, the sources of data, um, we don't really have a, a, a multicultural AI. And so, for as as we become more and more our, our organizations become more global, uh, as that becomes a greater risk, we make assumptions, of saying, well, no, I've, I've trained this AI; it's really really great, but we don't necessarily know that the AI has been properly Uh, trained or has learned uh, based on a broad enough set of data. And there are no standards uh, that exist really today to make that happen. So uh, I think we risk relying on the the speed and the efficiency that comes, but the thoughtlessness that can come from just saying, well, this is an easy answer and we'll go with this is tremendously risky when it comes to not only serving people, uh, but making really important decisions. Um, and compliance and all of these other sorts of things. So, so there are some significant risks because it's so early uh, in, in the maturity of AI, and yet AI has been around for a long time, and we're not tackling some of the, the more challenging aspects of how appropriate is this a, AI in this particular setting.
0: We could yeah, go, we, we, we could do. we
1: the horror stories. Or heard the, Yeah, we've heard yeah, a lot we, of those horror stories,
0: right? So. We go on for hours here. One of one of the things that, yeah. that 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 I'll try to drop this in and, and then gracefully get out of it. Um, <laughs> there's a great Yogi Berra quote that says, um, "In theory, there's no difference between practice and theory, but in practice, there is." <laughs> and <laughs> and so when I think right. about the important work of the HR function that isn't procedural and administrative and getting the processes down perfect, but is the human part of the HR function. It seems to me that what people in HR do is they keep policy and practice from becoming overlapping circles in a Venn diagram, that that the job of HR is to push practice and policy apart and make the exceptions that make humans more comfortable in organizations and make policies per, per, uh, effective because, because they don't aren't uniformly applied. And what machines do is, with, in the absence of compassion, they don't know how to do that thing, right? right? And so, so when I think about what the risk is, I think the risk is dramatic, unforgiving application of policy to all circumstances. Certainly. Um, Certainly. Right, and that's that. That scares me. That scares me, and that that has the potential to turn a well-curated culture into something very rigid in a short amount of time. So
1: absolutely, and you're 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 right. Which is why everyone, when they're looking for HR software, or oh, are there options? Uh, can, is that configurable? Can we uh, turn that off? All of these things, because everyone likes the idea of. Policy and procedure that can be programmed, and yet we all know how messy humanity is. Thank God <laughs> Thank yes. that, that humanity is, is messy. That it's it's our difference that's that's our strength, um, and, and 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 beauty and creativity and all of those other sorts of things. And so um, I think I think that's without a doubt a risk. But that's why humans can never get out of the 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 business of not just checking. But learning to work more with the AI and 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 addressing it it should never replace because you're absolutely right when we start getting into a a place where yep you're eliminated because you didn't meet x, y and z criteria um, you know th- th- those those options go out the door and that's that's tremendously dangerous and it's and it's really it's incredibly unrealistic in, in, in our in our world
0: yep. Now, now, I'm going to ask you one last question. Can you imagine, you, you know, Ultimate Software, I don't think people will know this either. Ultimate Software most likely has the largest number of active installations of intelligent tools of any yeah. software provider in the HR technology industry. I'm pretty sure that yeah. that's the case. Um, yes. Um, no and way. so, so you, <laughs> you've seen all sorts of things you're seeing lots of things on a routine basis i wonder if you see the possibility for intelligent tools whose object is to create fulfillment and wonder in an employee population rather than the rabid enforcement of policy
1: uh yes first of all and i am not even going to hesitate um i do i do see that as a as a as a as a possibility I think that right now a lot of the wonder is uh, is attributed. The wonder in, in, in the in the artificial intelligence and in the, the artificial tools that we've implemented, the wonder is in that's really incredible that a machine picked up on this. <laughs> and I wonder if it could also, if I could see what would happen if we asked more people these different kinds of questions. When you look at open-ended questions, uh, being able to bring out information that someone didn't see. Um, and sometimes it's not great news, but it's insightful. I think that is where a lot of wonder can, can come from. Um, and and I, I know that sounds tremendously pragmatic, but we've all been in situations where you're sort of like, wow, that was, that was really interesting. I hadn't seen it from that perspective. And I think that if we can – use artificial intelligence to, to, to aggregate information, to understand, even to assume and use that as one source or one perspective, then not only will we be impressed by that potentially or be able to discard it, again, notice that there's, there's, a, there's human judgment involved here as well, um, but it can actually enhance and allow us to ask Newer questions or different questions that we wouldn't have otherwise, um, and and I think that's that is absolutely a possibility, and that's one of the most exciting ones uh, for artificial intelligence to be able to bring up discussion uh, discussion ideas that a leader, because they're mired in day-to-day things, wouldn't have thought of, and that actually enriches a, a, a team's meeting or the kind of conversations that people can have, then I think it's wonder.
0: Got it. So um we're we're through the time. We could talk for hours.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> I know. There's a lot more to dig into, but thank you so yes, much. It's been fun to, to have the conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for doing this. Is there anything you think somebody should take away from our talk? A single sound bite?
1: Yeah, I think that um, it's time for all of us to, without a doubt, learn more, uh, become much more educated about artificial intelligence, and think about how best it can be applied to make us better at what we do and help us do more, but not ever assume that it's going to replace the power of our, of our minds.
0: Awesome. 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 So would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell the audience yes. how they might get a hold of you?
1: Thank you very much. So uh, I'm Cecile alper Larue, the vice president of HCM Innovation and also a corporate anthropologist. Um, I also just recently published a book. I probably, uh, I don't know, John, if I'm allowed to say that.
0: Oh, please. Um, and, I, uh, I, 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 <laughs> forgive me for not mentioning it.
1: Not at all. Not at all. So uh, it's called From Dissonance to Resonance, and it talks specifically about uh, – there is talk of artificial intelligence and uh, and sort of the importance of really listening to your employees to bring people and uh, and workplaces more into sync. It's something I'm, I'm passionate about, and it's an ongoing conversation. So if anyone's interested in participating in that conversation, uh, give give the, the, the book a, a read or a look, and um, I can be reached – uh through uh through my ultimate software email i'm also on uh on twitter at uh cecile h c m and uh on linkedin so I would love to hear from from anyone the book's available on amazon but it's also uh available through a site called uh called bookshop or book baby
0: fantastic thanks for taking the time to do this cecile It was a wonderful um action packed conversation i sure enjoyed it um <laughs> So, so thanks for taking the time to do this.
1: Thank you very you, much, John. Talk to you soon.
0: You, yeah, you've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Cecile Alper-Lauroux, Leroux, is the Vice President of Human Capital Management Innovation at Ultimate Software. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you back here next week. Bye-bye now.